Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 144. I'm your host, Emily Aries, and I am excited to be sitting down for a very special Boss Up Podcast first, although not a podcast history first, interview with my little sister, Isabel Aries. Welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Thank you for having me. So first of all, we are fresh off of Boss Up Bootcamp, which just took place in Chicago, Illinois. I want to give a major shout out to everybody who joined me there. It was truly one of the best Boss Up Bootcamps I've had in a very long time. It was so special. We had women from all over the country join us, and it gets me even more fired up and excited for the next one coming up this September 28th and 29th in Washington, D.C., and then our final one of the year in Los Angeles in November. So if you're interested in gaining hands-on tools and training with a variety of Bossed Up certified trainers to help you navigate career transition and take ownership of your life, of your career across the work, love, and wellness spectrum, make sure to learn more and join today at bossedup.org slash bootcamp because tickets are going fast. We're already half sold out for DC, which is very exciting. First of all, Isabel. Yes. I'm so excited to have you back. I'm excited to be here. For our longtime super loyal listeners who followed me to Bossed Up after my time on the Stuff Mom Never Told You podcast, you've already joined us there. You joined Bridget and I. Yeah. We had a great talk. Way to talk all about what? Women's colleges. Yes. And yeah. why? Because I go to a women's college and I begged you to have me on the podcast. <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> and that was the first topic I could think of that you would actually accept. Well, it was perfectly appropriate. You were so cute. Mm-hmm. You were what, a sophomore then? Yeah. That was, oh, that was the fall of my sophomore year. That was two years ago. I'm so old now. Yeah. Well, not quite. <laughs> That's your grown-ish, which is basically yeah. what we're here to talk about yeah. today. <laughs> So just for a little context, some of you who've been listening loyally this summer have heard me reference a few times now. Isabel has been living at my home with Brad the Boo and I in our guest bedroom, our little guest suite. You really kind of have a good hookup. It's the best. Yes. And you're here this summer. Why? I'm here because I'm doing an internship in the city in Senator Michael Bennett's office. Yeah. And um, also to check out Denver as a possible post-grad Yeah. And because... Emily and I are both adults, but when are we ever going to get the chance to live together ever again? I know. I mean, truly, we haven't really lived together since I was 18 Mm -hmm. or 17, really, in my senior year of high school. And I'm 31. You're 11 years younger than me, so you're 20. Mm -hmm. So Isabel is here as a college student on the precipice of life after college, just coming at you. Oh God. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot. I, like, I can't help myself, right? I'm your project for the summer. I just can't help myself. This is what I'm telling people is that like you've made me your summer project. I, I don't think that's true because you have done so much for yourself. I just can't 
not boss you up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So for the context of this episode, mm-hmm. we're essentially talking about like adulting 101 mm-hmm. and all the different things that we've tackled for your summer here. And like the, the different ways that you've made significant progress from honestly, your perspective as someone on the precipice of real adulthood. And then mine from someone who's been out of school for a decade, looking back, wishing I had done so many things yeah. differently. Yeah. So Isabel Aries, first give our listeners and the Boston community a little bit of context. What are you studying? What are you all about? Where's your life taking you next? So I am a rising senior at Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts, where I am double majoring in biology and environmental science and policy with a concentration in biodiversity, ecology, and conservation. It is oh, a lot of words. Holy <laughs> shit, how are you going to fit that on a resume? I am not. <laughs> I'm going to have to like, come up with a lot of acronyms and have a little glossary at the bottom. Oh my God. I'm mainly interested in natural spaces, conservation, and I don't know, lots of science, lots of conservation, lots of environmental stewardship. Yeah. Types of things. So I feel like part of what you've been doing for the past few years, as mm-hmm. one does in college, is starting to figure out who you are, mm-hmm. what you're into. We both come from the same household with same parents who just happen to have a whole batch of kids <laughs> with a decade in between the four of us. Yeah. But like, we're very different people. And all my listeners know me as a very type A, very organized, very on top of my shit, ambitious person. I feel the need to clarify to everybody that it's not a front that Emily puts on. <laughs> She's not putting on any sort of persona when she's doing. That's how she genuinely is. It's true. If you read her book, yeah. that's basically what I have in my back pocket at Aww. all times. It's just her being able to tell me what to do with my life. I'm going to quote you <laughs> talking about me the next time you tell me to like back off because <laughs> that's what we've been navigating this yeah. summer. Yeah. Yeah. So basically for the past couple of summers and years, as I've been finding my way and finding my interests academically, I've been thinking about okay, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. I've got, you know, a very complicated type of degree that I'm completing. And now what I'm doing is trying to explore what I could do with that degree. And the great thing is, is that there are so many different options available because, you know, I've got the biology aspect, so there's a lot of hard science. So I could theoretically go into academia and research. Then with the environmental science and policy aspect, I could go into like government work. Which is kind of what I'm navigating this summer is yeah. like, is that what I would be interested in? As opposed to last summer when I wasn't doing anything policy or government based at all. And right. I was just in nature all yeah. the time, like boots on the ground, literally. And to be fair, just to like underscore a good lesson for anyone else who's listening, who's navigating college to career, like you're doing all the right things. Exploration, even for those of us who are burnt out at 30 and wondering what the hell to do with our lives. There's an element of trying things on for size that can only be done through trial and error. Right. I've heard people at the events that I've kind of shadowed you at this summer too. A lot of people are asking, Emily, what do I do? Like you have all these tips on what to do if I know the kind of career I want and where I want to end up. But like, what do I do if I don't? And I think that exploration and trying out a bunch of different things that are super interesting and seeing like, or what works? What yeah. doesn't work? What do I vibe with? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny to hear you talk about this with a microphone in front of you because you sound, you sound so polished. You sound like you've navigated this so well. Mm-hmm. Every time Brad and I have tried to talk to you oh, dear and headlights. about <laughs> your career, you're like flooded. You're so clearly flooded with stress hormones and cortisol. Yeah. You like look at me like, 
don't you see this is stressful? I've, don't make me talk about I've it. I've taken up running this summer because I've been yeah. so stressed. I mean, the thing is, is that when I'm exploring and when I'm trying on new things or size, but nothing's really permanent, then that's easy for me because it's like lower stakes. Like yeah. The idea of I'm going to be a college graduate and I'm not going to have my entire life structured around a semester schedule anymore. That's stressful. Yeah. The idea it's like, I'm not going to be living in a dorm anymore. I'm not going to be taking classes and getting assignments and things like that. Like that is scary to think about. Yes. So let's talk about how we broke things down for you this summer. Pull out the list we came up with because this summer wasn't just about figuring out your career next steps, right? but it was figuring out basic adulting because nobody teaches you this stuff. Right. So what are some of the objectives we set at the start of the summer? Because you know, I love a good color coded oh. goal list. So what's on the list? Number one, explore the Colorado outdoors. I am a huge hiker and I love the outdoors as you may have gathered by the fact that my entire degree is basically about the outside world. And last summer, because I was like living outside, I got to have my total fill of the outdoors, but now I'm living in the city. So now I have to be more intentional about that. Which is just like life after college, by the way. Yeah. Like people say, oh, I'm super into the outdoors. And then I look at their calendar and how they spend their time. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, and I've been there. You're a liar. Well, it's true. We tell lies to ourselves all the time about the aspirational form of ourselves versus the practical form of ourselves. And there are times when if you've got a two hour commute each way to work, good luck fitting in that outdoor time that you value, but you can't make that work for the long term. Right. So then you feel out of alignment with your core values and your day to day reality. Definitely. So, how are some of the ways that you have made exploring the Colorado outdoors? A priority. Also, keep in mind what we're doing this weekend. Well, what I'm doing a lot of times, and this is something that happened a lot on your book tour too, is Brad would just see me at home and be like, "We're gonna go hiking," and just bring me to a mountain. He's <laughs> oh, great about that. I love that. It was so nice. <laughs> it was so great. I mean, just it's so nice living so close to the mountains. Yeah, it because is because it means that outdoors are so much more accessible than they would be if I was living in like New York. True. And we just, yeah. we live two blocks down from a park, like an urban park. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be like a huge Rocky Mountain or anything. It just has to be like getting outside. Right. Yeah. So just doing that. And one of the great things is one of my like childhood teenager, good friends actually just moved out here after he graduated. And so now he introduced me to a bunch of friends that he's made. So now I have like a group chat that I'm in. So I texted people, hey, does anybody want to go hiking at Red Rocks? Speaking of friends, we didn't put social goals on this list. Mm -hmm. But a month ago, we had a big conversation, which is another key to adulting. Mm -hmm. Besides like prioritizing fitness and outside time and unplugging from devices and digital social media time. A big key for you this summer has been learning how to make friends outside of the confines of college. Right. What has that been like for you? When did you struggle and how did you overcome? Well, I think it really started last semester when I was abroad. As a part of my program, I was sent to live in a big city by myself for a month. And that was really difficult for me. Yeah. Because it was, it was hard for me to make friends and it was hard for me to make connections because at first it was like just general shyness and anxiety around like meeting new people and working in a lab where it's like all of these people who know each other and have been working together for so long. And then as the time went by, it was a five week project. It became a thing of, I don't understand like if it would be worth putting down roots or if people would be willing to invest in spending time together because I'm just going to leave. 
Right. Yeah. And you had some serious loneliness, isolation, Definitely. anxiety creep up. Lots of it. And I think that that was really what hammered down that you and I are really different, but we're both extroverts. It's because I was spending so much time by myself and I, I was depressed. Yeah. Like looking back on it now, like textbook depression. Yeah. And that happens when I'm lonely. And it's so important to acknowledge and reach out. It's so hard to reach out, but to like reach out and ask for help and acknowledge how important and vulnerable you are in those moments. Right. But and now you've got people here. And I do have people because I think you told me at the very beginning of the summer, Isabel, if you're going to make friends with any of your fellow interns, you have to be intentional about it and you have to take the first step because if you don't, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to. So what did that look like for you? For me, that looked like just striking up conversations with interns, just introducing myself, just talking when we had slow moments. Did you take people out to lunch? Like, did you yeah. start to hang out outside of work? Yeah. There are a couple of my really good friends that I've made, Sam and Colleen, we have a couple of shifts together on like Mondays and Tuesdays. So we're like, oh, let's go get lunch together. Like, let's keep talking. Like, you seem really cool. Like, we're getting along really well. Yeah. And I'm like having them over like and outside of work. So that way it's not just a like, yeah, we're work friends type thing, but also like, let's be part of a social life. And also a big part of it is that I was honest. I said, I have no roots here. I have no friends here. I want to have a social life. Like, in, let's hang out. Yeah, like, invite me to shit, invite right? To like, seriously. I, yeah. One of my friends, like, goes to school here and a lot of her friends here over the summer and I was like, hey, invite me to a party that you go to. Like, I want to party with you and spend time with you and also, like, I have no social life. Right. And, and not have feeling super ashamed of that. Right. Because it's normal when you're moving to a new city to feel lonely. Yeah. And so, like, maybe two months ago, you said to me when I first started asking questions like, what do you want to do in a year when you're graduated? And you were like, don't even ask me this question. <laughs> you're like light years away from that now that we're having this conversation on air. Yeah. But at the time you said, I'll probably just move wherever my best college friends move. Right. How do you feel about that statement now? I think that it would be less about moving to be with them and more about if any of my college friends happen to go somewhere amazing that is a place that I would genuinely want to live like one of my best friends yeah. is in New Hampshire and I would love to live in New Hampshire after college and another one of my really good friends when I told her I'm thinking about maybe living in Denver after college she was like yeah let's go there together that would be so great yeah so what else is on your summer fun list let's move on number two this is possibly I think your favorite except for number three <laughs> Move more. Yes. Yeah. Why does this matter? Hello, everybody. My name is Isabel. I am in my 20s and I am a woman in the United States of America, which means that I have had body issues. Yes. <laughs> and it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I am comfortable with my body where it's at. Yes. And yes. don't yes. feel the need to move or exercise or lose weight or have my body look a certain way. But I understand that exercising and moving my body is still good for me mentally and like emotionally, honestly, and physically. What are the mental positives that you gain from exercise? The endorphin rush, number one. And number two, like I've taken up running this summer and I'm not going to be like, I'm a runner. I go running all the time. I'm not going to identify myself like that because then that puts me into a box and stresses me out. Just testing myself and competing with myself. Yeah. And not in a way where it's like, I have to do better, be better. So that way, like I have a stomach or I have like amazing abdomen, but just like, I want to see if I can do this Yeah, because I'm going to feel good about myself if I've accomplished this thing and competing against myself and not in a way where it's like, if I fail or if I don't do the thing that I've said 
myself up to do. Like if I don't run up a steep hill three times during my run, if I only do it twice, it's not like I'm a failure or anything. It's just, okay, this is where my body's at. This is where I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And that's like, it's taken me a really long time to get here because a lot of the times, like as an adult and going to college, a lot of my motivation to go work out or to go exercise or move was like, I, because I need to lose weight. Right. And that's just like, that just wasn't healthy for me. No. And I, I always call that exercising for vanity instead of sanity. Right. And you struggle with anxiety if you're down with me sharing that. Yeah. Right. Like how does exercise impact that part of your brain? It just kind of quiets everything down. Totally. It's, it's really nice. So if I have some sort of existential crisis, if I go for a run, I know that I'm going to be getting out the cortisol that's been flooded into my system. The release of endorphins also right. just kind of tethers me back to reality. What I like about how we framed that goal, which was move more, mm-hmm. is that it was generic enough to know, did I move today? You know, like to, to sort of check yourself and say, am I moving this week? And you have a calendar in the room and we just, we're not like measuring distance. We're not measuring intensity. And you're just saying, did I move today? Yeah. And that's an easy yes or no. And it's not a yes every day, but on the whole, it has been more yeah. days than not. Yeah. And I think it's a really healthy way. It's not like I'm saying I need to go work out three times a week. And it's not even saying I right. need to work out. It's just saying I need to move my body. Right. And right. I need to do it more than like the baseline standard that maybe I've been moving in the past. Totally. And we've tried on new classes together through ClassPass. Mm-hmm. Shout out to ClassPass. I love them. Shout out to Pilates right that was a new experience for both of us this summer so with aerial yoga oh that was, oh, fun. That was fun it was so good to have a buddy join me and when you first sign up for class that you can actually bring a friend for free and give them a free week-long trial i'll drop a link to where you can join and get like a special some sort of perk for joining via my link in today's show notes mm-hmm. and just to finish off my point about moving existential crises is that I'm here right now in this moment and I just went for a run and I just like did it work out or I just played volleyball with my family. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter about like the things that I'm afraid of or the things that I'm anxious about as much. I I can kind of like put that off to later. I can say this is a time for me right now to just be taking care of my body and to be taking care of my mind. I love that. that. It's very, it forces mindfulness. It's meditative. When you're dealing with a big ass, like stair climb up the Manitou Springs incline. Oh, that was you, you can't think about anything else. Yeah. I was so proud of you for finishing that. Cause what was that? It was like a half mile straight up. It was 0.8 miles. 0.8 miles. Straight up. Thousand feet elevation in 0.8 miles, which is insane. insane. <laughs> and at first I was so anxious about it because I was thinking, oh my God, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Like, oh my God, what if I like work out so hard that I throw up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All of these anxieties that aren't even tethered in reality. Right. And the only way for me to get over that was to actually just do it. And isn't that a good key of adulting? I love yeah. it. What else is on your list? Number three. Oh, this is another thing where the only way for me to get over the anxiety is to actually do it. Invest in hashtag adulting. Now, what does that mean? What do we draw all around that one? We drew dollar signs. Bella, Bella, bills. Okay, first of all, in case you haven't picked up on this already, part of my own little obsession with personal finance, especially this year, stems from the fact that like so many other millions of Americans... I didn't get a lot of financial basic literacy through my public school education. And as much as I love my brilliant, wonderful, creative, loving parents, I sure as hell didn't get a financial understanding from them either. Yeah. But 
you are in a very different spot. Yeah. Because I only found my financial footing in my late twenties and you are at the precipice of getting your first paycheck a year from now. Right. Mm -hmm. So what was your financial education like prior to the summer? And what are the steps that you took this summer to set yourself up? I love that you asked me what my financial education was like before the summer, because there really wasn't any, there was just financial anxieties and financial worries. And it was basically about like, put away all of the money you can and scroll it in your savings. And then if you have to spend that, feel really guilty about it. Yeah. That's not great. Oh, not good. doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And then also it just like, doesn't put you in a good mindset when you do spend money because that is a thing that we living in this society have to do. Right. But I think that one of the major things that made me want to put this on the list is the fact that I have friends now that are college graduates and they're telling me like, Oh my God, as well. Like I have to apply for a credit card. Like I have to apply for all these things. Like I have to pay off all my loans and everything. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want to get my financial literacy up to par. And I want to get like my financial state under control. Right. That way next summer when I already have enough things to stress about, I know that I have this part. Yeah. And fun story, when I was your age mm-hmm. and graduated from college, I was so fixated on getting a job, which I talked about all the time here, obviously. And I networked my way and I resumed myself together and I did all the right things. And I landed this awesome state director position. And then I had to get a car. Right. Now, I didn't tell them I didn't have a car when they hired me for a state director position that absolutely requires a car. Yeah. But I thought, you know, whatever, I can figure this out. Like, give me the job and I'll figure it out. So I go to a car dealership. We got to an agreement. I'm ready to sign all the paperwork. And I cannot get approved for my car loan, for my financing. And I couldn't get approved because I had zero credit history. Because mom and dad's relationship to credit cards was, oh my God, this is bad. We got in trouble with credit card debt. Never open a credit card. And Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm. Okay. No credit yeah. cards for me. Got it. Yeah. There's no, nothing else that we know. I had zero understanding of credit. So yeah. some of the things, let's just like run through some of the things we did with you this summer. There were a couple of parts to this. It was like a multi-step process. Totally. One of, it, what, one of them was investing the money that I had put into a Roth IRA account and actually getting that into the stock market. Like, well, and how did you do that? Like, cause getting a Roth IRA together, first of all, I kind of bullied you into that. Oh, she, you guys, she did it for me. We were on the phone together and it was with my blessing and with my consent and everything. I was saying, yeah, this is something I'm interested in. This is a really good idea. Let's and why it. did you have enough money like to sock away some cash into a 401k or because a Roth IRA? All of the money that I made last summer, I put into my savings. Which is amazing because you were living out in the woods. You had very little spending money on. Yeah. And, and you were getting paid on top of room and board. Yeah. Which is so cool. Like I just never had cash. And what did you invest? 1200 Okay. So you got 1500 kicking around Mm -hmm. and you're not going to go blow it on a computer or whatever. You're still a dependent legally. So mom and dad are still footing all kinds of bills for you. And I'm like, let's put this money in a Roth IRA because compounding interest, baby, tax free earnings, baby. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you fully understand. Oh, I do understand. It's amazing. Okay. Here's the thing. Everybody, I have to put a disclaimer out that as somebody that goes to a super liberal college and as somebody that has grown up kind of, you know, I went through like elementary school and everything in the great recession. Right. So my relationship with wall street has always been one of just anxiety and kind of distrust because why would I trust people that did that? You know, so to be able to harness it and use it to my own advantage and say like, 
screw you. I don't agree with basically a lot of the things that Wall Street operates on, but at the same time, like I'm going to use it to my full advantage. Yes. And yes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And when we decided which index funds you were going to put your Roth IRA into, we did a hell of a lot of research and found you a carbon emissions, like reduction focused, green, whatever economy yeah. fund. Yeah. And it took a lot of research, right? Like yeah. that's why it was in your account for a year before it got it in the market. Oh, also because I'm totally type B. And it's like, and they were like, Hey, you need to verify your address. I was like, hey, I'll get around to it. A year goes by, but now we know, and now it's in and now you can see it and you've got the app on your phone and it's great. Yeah. So that was one thing we did. What else? Getting a credit card and building a credit history and figuring out what my credit score is. Yeah. Apparently I have one of those. That that was fun to learn. (laughs) So we got you on credit karma. Yeah. We got you on mint. Yeah. You figured out how to set a budget. Yeah. That, oh God, that's stressful. Do you know what even now? Yeah. Especially because you have like no income. Yeah, I have no income and I keep spending money. I mean, to I be fair, just to give Smith a proper shout yes. out. Smith's Praxis Fund is amazing. They have a program where they fund students who wouldn't be able to survive with an unpaid summer internship and they give them the money that they would need to do that. So Smith gave you a big, like a stipend. single stipend mm-hmm. to cover the fact that this is otherwise an unpaid internship. Yeah. And so... And got- I'm very real. I, I just need to be very transparent about that like the only reason that I have all of these opportunities and I'm able to do so many things is a because I have Smith funding that helps me survive in a city for like three months without any income and b because I'm living at your and Brad's house for a very reduced rent yes I wouldn't let her live for free though because where's the budgeting lesson in that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I mean practically Considering the amenities, yeah, like utilities, groceries, and stuff is all included. And you're getting a killer education with some very generous financial aid. So learning how to budget and actually setting up a budget, and then honestly, Isabel, it took me until 25 to figure out everything you just tackled. Like I don't think I had a credit card until I was 25. It's still going to take me a while to actually be comfortable with having a budget and actually be comfortable with checking in with how I'm doing it and how I'm right tracking my spending. Sure. And you're going to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. You're going to get yourself in tight financial spots, but we have the language. You know what I mean? We've started the conversation. You've read about credit scores. You know the basics about a retirement fund. And just the idea that you have 1500 bucks in an index fund at age 20 mm-hmm. is so incredible. Like I wish someone could go back and tell my 20 year old self to do that. And it's going to get hard. Like, you're, oh, yeah, you're, I'm, I'm going to work in environmental advocacy. It's not going to be super lucrative. <laughs> that's, oh, I don't like that mindset personally. Mm-hmm. I think that's a limiting mindset. I don't think you have to accept the idea that you can't earn a decent, great living doing what you love. So don't let that for sure. I mean, there's also just that is like a healthy dose of reality, you know? Sure. And actually, if anyone listening to this has career advice specific to conservation, biology, environmental science, land management, conservation in particular, yeah, please email me. Please like reach out because Isabel's other big priority for her summer of fun mm-hmm. is one that we haven't really completed yet, I'd say, but we've made some progress on, which yeah. is to what, Isabel? Practicing informational interviews. Why are those important? Those are important because I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And sure. Having an idea of the paths that other people in my industry have taken might help me figure it out. Totally. And I have so much to learn from them. And people 
hire people. People open doors for people. I don't know where this gets lost in the college career centers, but online applications and stacks of resumes are so easy to become lost in. You've got to network your way to a job. The best jobs never make it to monster.com. So we need you to be out there talking the talk, connecting with real live human beings who have been there before. So you can just know what your options are. Right. Because there are so many options, as I mentioned before. I have no idea what people in my industry even really do. Right. <laughs> Industries, plural. Right. There's so much I could do. And like, that's very stressful and that's very scary. And so it's really important for me to get an idea of what the options are and what even exists. So as a Gen Z digital native, yes, which I am not, which is so interesting to have a sibling who is young enough to be in a different generation when it comes to our relationship with digital technology. I don't remember a time without a computer. Yeah. And I very like personal computers. Yeah. And I very much do. And a lot of the issues that I know my corporate clients are struggling with, with your generation stem from your generation's comfort with technology more so than human beings Mm -hmm. and person-to-person communication. There's no backspace key in human conversation. (laughs) So tell me why is this the item on the list that you've made the least progress on this summer? It's because it's difficult to just send that dry email and be like, Hey, let's have a discussion. You know? Yeah. It's weird. Like, it, like it's different in friend group stuff when it's like social stakes and it's very low and like chill. This is social stakes though. Yeah, that's true. It is. But it's also social stakes that could make me money. Okay. So over the last six months, mm-hmm. I have had the pleasure of speaking at AYS, the Association of Women in Science and Engineering at UC Boulder. And I've connected with the AYS College Student Association at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, you know, like I, I'm want to do, I run into people at boot camps and different conferences I speak at. And when I deliver keynotes and very often I've said, Oh, you're in this industry. My sister is graduating in a year. Let me connect you to her. And I've fired off an email introduction and nothing happens. And I'm not calling you out for no reason. Part of that is because it gets lost in so many other things. Like until the summer, me figuring out my career for next year was more of an abstract thing that I was like, I should probably start thinking about this and I need to actually take steps. Yeah. So that's part of it. And part of it is being lost in everything else that I've got. Well, it's so good to have you here because I think so many people read the Boss Up blog or listen to this podcast and they kind of know what they need to do, but it's fucking scary. It is. It's so scary. So I've written posts and I will drop links to them in the show notes. I've written posts saying, here's how to get a meeting with a busy person. Here's the email to write. I have those things (laughs) open on my laptop to like figure out what's the best way for me to draft this email to someone that like we went camping with over July 4th. That's an environmental consultant that I want to follow up with. And it's like, I've already talked to her. That was my first informational. Yeah, that's true. And we made that happen over around a campfire, right? That was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. And then the next step is like how to make the most of these one-on-one meetings. And I have a post on that. And it's one of the most popular things that I refer people to all the time. But I need to better understand what is the fear? What's the real fear? What is the fear? I mean, I don't even know. Do you fear like, I don't want to be intrusive on someone else's time? I don't want to be intrusive on someone else's time. I also don't want to be awkward because this is a type of conversation that like I've never had before. Okay. I don't know how to have it. Okay. I get that. So like, it's going to be weird to go to somebody that's like an expert and I'm reaching out to them because they're an expert or because of their history in the industry that I want to learn from. And I don't want to go in there like a blundering idiot, like, so what was your degree 
You're, you know? you're allowed to be a blundering idiot. The expectations <laughs> are low. You're a novice. Embrace it. Yeah. Being a novice is uniquely valuable too. I mean, but there's this weird line that you have to draw in those types of situations where it's like, I do understand you and I understand the lingo you're using and I understand the context in which we're operating. Yeah. But also, I have no like experience in it and I have no actual practical application sure. for it. And that's, I think that's what it is. Is like, you need to come off as knowing what you're talking about, but also not knowing everything and needing to learn more. Yeah. Balance, yeah. Finding that balance and totally doing it in a way where you're not, you don't want to be seen being, as being unimpressive to be frank. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. But here's what I want to reframe that in your mind Okay, from an interview where you're trying to impress them. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate the term informational interview. That's why I've always called them one-on-one meetings. So I've always called them networking meetings, informational interview. And I'm y- using very aggressive air quotes right now. She is. Is such a misnomer. And it does the whole conversation a disservice because you're not interviewing. But here's what I'm saying. Like the impressing them part is almost non-existent. I'm not saying it's not there. You definitely want to strike the impression of I'm a hireable person that you should refer me to your friends when your friends say, Hey, I'm really looking for a smart go-getter entry-level person. Do you know anyone? Cause I don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. I want you to come to mind, but more so than anything, informational interviews, if you want to call them that, or just one-on-one meetings are about information gathering. And obviously we want to perfect, perform and please for everybody else. But you have to get that out of your head because your entire life up until this moment to deliver whatever a professor or a teacher wants from you. And that is vastly different from the quest you're about to embark <laughs> upon. You know what I mean? Okay. So to recap, the adulting lessons learned this summer, if you had to bullet point them for us, what would they be? Make goals that are written in a healthy way for yourself because the way that they're written is how you're going to internalize them and how you're going to think about them. Love so it. me saying move more, for example, that's the way for me to have a healthy mindset about that. If I'd written that differently, I I wouldn't be feeling as good about it. And I wouldn't feel as capable about my ability to meet that goal as I am. I love it. And then number two, have your goals be open to meaning more than one thing. Yeah. So for me, exploring Colorado outdoors means going outside and going hiking, but it also means, you know, it, it's kind of integrated into moving more and it's also integrated into having a social life, which isn't even something that we were really thinking about when we were making this list. But it's become so key. Yeah. Are there like lessons of adulting that you think anyone who is a college student on the precipice of entering the real world or someone who's currently on the rocky on-ramp into adulthood needs to think about? I think one of the best things that's kind of been the way that I've been guiding myself and the things that I'm doing, especially when they're long-term things, is seeing them as investing in yourself for later. So like when I went to Australia I and I was leaving the country for basically the first time, I was super stressed out about it. And I was like, oh my God, I have nothing I'm doing. I was like paralyzed by fear. And I'm sure that like when I graduate, it's going to be the same thing. And if I don't have a job by then, then 10 times that. But the things that I'm doing now by like getting my financial life in order and doing the informational interviews, what I'm doing now is taking that and doing those things in a lower stakes environment. So that way, when I need those skills, and when I need that information that I've gained, I'll already have it ready. Like I'm setting totally. It's like mise en place. So Brad calls this like present you 
paying it forward for future you. Yeah, I'm doing my, I'm doing future me a favor. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what this whole list is. Yeah. It's just doing future me a favor. Exactly. It's, it's not even like, this is the summer before my senior year. If there's any time for me to take a step back. So like, I'm only working 20 hours a week. And one of the things that was originally part of investing in adulting was I need to make some more money to get a job. Yes. Which Emily miss type a over here was very much like you need to get a job you need to be submitting applications you need to go to that starbucks down the street three times and talk to a manager so being adaptable being open for them to need more than one thing and being open for them to changing so investing in adulting was originally i need to get a job and make some more money this summer that's true yeah and then you know and then letting go yeah when you like when your goals change when the finish line changes whether it moves forward or farther away Mm -hmm. that's a really good lesson i love that we're having this conversation because it is like a vocal time capsule and one year from now i'm going to send this recording your way whether or not you have a job which by the way the deadline of graduation is a false one yeah i had an internship after college so don't stress if you don't have a job lined up at graduation day and that's true to every graduate listening or every soon to be graduate listening, like don't let that deadline be so intense for you. Everybody gets a bridge job. Take whatever job you can get, including being a barista at Starbucks. Oh my God. Make some caramel macchiatos for a summer while you find the best job for you. Because yeah. it's really quality more than timeliness that matters in that. But a year from now I'm curious and really a couple of years from now, I'm curious to hear what like 25 year old you will look back and say, yeah, I'm glad we had a Roth IRA convo, but we totally dropped the ball when it came to managing roommates or like, what are the other adulting lessons that you're going to learn in the next couple of years? And I think it's a good thing also to kind of share with people that have been following cost up because there's this image of you, which is like 98% of the time true to the image that you are like, just as a person Uh where you're on top of your game and like very type A and very like very assertive and going for it all the time. And you're like, I'm gonna take what I want and I'm going to share it with others and like spread the wealth and everything the process stands for, which is amazing, of course. But that's not the only way and that's not yeah necessarily like the right way for everybody. Because for me, right, I I couldn't operate if I gave myself such high stakes all the time. Yeah. Also, I had a terrible day today. You did have a terrible day. And I like was in bed for most of the day (laughs) and I was kind of throwing a hissy fit. It was kind of riddled with anxiety and just stress and just like was barely functioning today. Mm -hmm. And that's a side of me that boss stuff doesn't hear that much about. And nobody can operate perfect all the time. Right. You know, I think about my relationship with mom having just written a book with like the martyrdom mindset in the beginning of it, telling mom's perspective on life and work and motherhood. And then like charting my own course. It's cool that we have family members, especially women, family members. Although I love my brothers, my dad that really, really are different. And we have such respect for each other. Right. And so much love there. Yeah. Like the ways that I take leadership roles in work and in like a lot of situations that I'm in and the way that I act in classes and stuff and the way that I take things seriously, a lot of that is because I've learned so much from you. Because <laughs> as I've grown up and as I've kind of flew the nest, a lot of the ways that I learned how to be a leader and a lot of the ways that I learned how to advocate for myself and how to advocate for others are because of you and the things that you have taught me. So of course, I'm not entirely different from you. Right, right. A lot of my experiences right. are shaped 
and added to because of your perspective that you add on to them. Mm. It doesn't mean that we're super similar and it doesn't mean that the way that either of us have gone about things is wrong. Well, here's to exploring, to taking your first steps into adulthood and, you know, navigating the transition from college to career. And here's to you for being so gracious and so lovely and so open to every conversation that we've had this summer. (laughs) Yeah, of which there have been many. Uh, And lastly, but not least, shout out to our listeners who have tagged along for this wild ride of an episode. Thank you guys for bearing with us. And thank you in advance for anybody who has added wisdom. Like, what are the adulting lessons that we've missed that you think are absolutely essential for everyone? Oh, please tell me those. Yeah, for everyone (laughs) navigating college to career, Share them in the comments section of today's blog post at bossup.org slash episode 144. And if you are in the conservation, land preservation, biology, whatever the hell research you just mentioned, you know, if you're in that industry and you've got resources for Isabel, or if you're willing to be on the receiving end of her informational interviewing, I would like a disclaimer that it will be very rough but we will probably laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah. Shout us out online at Emily Aries at Bostup.org. Isabel on Instagram is at is.aries. That's I-Z I-Z. At Twitter, it's the same, but it's an underscore instead of a period. I am just so delighted that you spent some time with me live on the air. I'm so delighted that you have dedicated your summer free time to me. I'm your extracurricular. I love you listeners for tuning in to Boss Up the Podcast. If you found this conversation somehow helpful and enlightening, we would love for you to take a moment to go ahead and share it on social media. You can get the link at bossedup.org slash episode 144. And as we're starting to plan our upcoming episodes, I'm actually just starting to reach out to my favorite authors and my dream guests to have on the show. But I want to make sure that we're also answering your career conundrums and featuring your boss moves. And we would love to hear from you. So call those career conundrums and boss moves in now to the Bossed Up Podcast Hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. Until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose. And together, we will lift as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. 
Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup. 